This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. The recent move by the White House to separate illegal immigrants from their children at the border has drawn harsh criticism from many people. And despite the recent changes in that policy, the impact from a medical side is significant. To take a look at that, we are joined by Dr. Catherine Yoon, who's an assistant professor of pediatrics here at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. She's also a faculty member at Policy Lab at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Nice to meet you, Dr. Yoon. Thanks for coming in. It's great to be here. Your work, and we were talking before we went on the air, you work quite a bit with refugees and their families. And a lot of what you deal with is the downstream, is after a lot of these families have come into the United States, and part of it is that reconnection with family members. But from the medical perspective, what are some of the things you are seeing with these children that they are having to deal with post the separation? So we see children through the CHOP Refugee Health Program, and these are kids who have come to the United States often after years of being displaced. Um, They might have had family members who are kidnapped. They might have been kidnapped themselves. They might have had family members who are unjustly incarcerated. Um, But many of these children have experienced a traumatic separation. And I think it's remarkable how consistent their symptoms are. We'll see children who have difficulty sleeping and who have nightmares. They might have difficulty eating. They might have a great deal of insecurity if separated from their parents for any reason. Um, And it can take them a long time, even in relative safety. So they've come here. They're in the United States. They're getting services. They might have been reunited with their family members. And and even so, it can take them a long time to get back to, you know, just being a healthy, happy, normal kid again. And and certainly this is something that uh, I would imagine. I mean, no kid you want to see have to deal with something like this at any age. But the, the age difference that you may see within the children, whether it be the impact that a four or five-year-old may have if they're separated from their parents compared with a teenager. Is there a difference in terms of, of dealing with the issue of the separation itself? You know, we think there is. Um, what we see uh, from just the best available research on children who've been separated from their parents or separated um, from a loving, caring environment is there seems to be a critical period in the early years. And so when kids undergo that kind of deprivation early in life, it really seems to have a lasting impact. Um, they might have, especially during the teen years, some of those emotional issues can come up and that can impact things even like their education, their future right. employment prospects. Um, it's not to say that, that older children don't feel this sort of separation deeply. They absolutely do, but there does seem to be a sort of critical period for the the developing brain. I would imagine that that the reactions uh, of of these families going through this, from a personal perspective and what you have seen, I mean, these are are very hard reactions that these people and these kids are going through. Not only the kids, but some of the adults, as you said, you're downstream with the reconnection with either the parents or other family members. I think one of the most important things to know about kids is 
if you give them a chance, they're going to do well. So if you can get a child back into their family, back into a safe, loving environment, as long as they're getting those supports, most children are going to show signs of recovery over time. But what's really hard is when a parent is also traumatized, it can make it really hard for the parent to, fo- to function in a way um, that allows them to support their child. You know, one of my most difficult uh, clinical cases ever uh, was a child and a parent. They'd been separated traumatically from other family members. They'd gone through terrible, terrible trauma during their migration. Um, And every time this child would act out, and acting out is one of the ways children can show anxiety and depression. Every time this child would act out, it would would trigger the trauma response in the mom. And so she would... She would, you know, start crying. She would shrink in and on her on herself. And she had given up so much in her life to try to keep this child safe. But at the same time, you know, she was really fighting her own trauma so she could, again, help create this safe and loving environment once they'd, they'd gotten here in the U.S. Is, is the reaction different between mom and dad in terms of what you've seen? You know, that's a harder question for me to, to answer. I don't want to... Yeah. I don't want to stereotype, but we often see moms in the office more than we see dads. Sure, yeah. I will say, though, that um, that I've seen dads who've really, really are feeling those same feelings in a really deep way. So I, I suspect there is not a difference. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in and comment. Uh, we are joined here in studio by Dr. Catherine Yoon of the University of Pennsylvania. We're talking about the medical issues behind the separation of children, especially refugees, uh, from their parents. We've seen that as a big story uh, nationally in the last several weeks, but there is also a medical impact to this as well. Medical, but also, I would think, mental mm-hmm. and the stress that that a lot of these kids are dealing with. And again, not only in the short term, but long term, dealing with this over the course of years and maybe even having to, to find ways to get further medical care even after the reunification with family members. Yeah, I, I do want to emphasize that there is a normal emotional response to a terrible situation. And so when a child is separated from their family, they're going to be experiencing profound grief, profound pain. Um, and and those can be normal reactions. There are still reactions that child shouldn't have to have. There shouldn't yeah. be a needless separation. But as you look past that, some children are going to go on to have what is sometimes described as traumatic grief, where those those feelings just don't go away, yeah. um, where they're having ongoing, you know, potentially irritability, sleep problems, things where you start to need uh, a mental health professional to get involved to work with that child. Absolutely. And, and that goes in part, again, we're seeing so much more dealing around the mental health landscape these days as well. Here's something that it seems like potentially could be preventable if you know if you're taking a different mindset correct yeah there's so much research on resilience in children and so my colleagues for example in developmental psychology will tell you that if you can keep a child with a safe secure loving caregiver even if that child is going through other kinds of adversity you can prevent so many of these problems 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. Also joined right now by Peter Margulies, who is a law professor at Roger Williams University in Rhode Island. Peter, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. So uh, what does this this separation, we're talking about the, the, the medical side of this, but what does these separations mean from the legal perspective that, that you see? The, the policy that the 
Trump administration used to have in place until the executive order yesterday is a, a troubling policy. It's a turn for the worse toward uh, prosecution as a, a feature, not a bug, of immigration enforcement. Past administrations have recognized that it's a bad idea to separate families uh, accordingly, even if they prosecute people for the crime of improper entry to the United States, which is a misdemeanor punishable by up to six months in jail, they've usually accepted those folks who have families. So those folks have not been prosecuted. This administration, in contrast, had made prosecution a centerpiece of its policy. That's what's led to the current situation. And the executive order from yesterday, which would authorize family detention, if that is approved by the court, is really not an improvement because although uh, separating kids from their, their parents is not a good thing, detaining whole families isn't good either. I'm sure the doctor will tell us that that isn't healthy in the yeah. least. Catherine? Yeah, there's a lot of research um, from the United States, from the United Kingdom, from Australia, um, looking at what happens to a child when they're deten in detention, even if they're with their parent. Um, and, you know, you think about when you take your child to the doctor's office and you have to keep them in that exam room just, you know, while you're waiting to see the doctor and they're almost yeah. jumping out of their skin. Now, can you imagine a child who's in detention for 30 days, for 60 days, for 90 days, right. you know, for a year and being in that restrictive environment? It does seem to have a negative impact well, on their the, emotions, their attention. And realistically, there's no way to kind of sugarcoat that process of trying to make it anywhere normalized, right? To make it feel like, okay, well, you know, the parents and, and the child, you're together, you're living in this small cramped apartment. It, it just doesn't work that way, correct? That's right. It's not a normal environment for a child. It also deprives a child of normal social relationships. And that's a really important part of childhood, right? You need to be able to go to school, you need to be able to have friends. And really, children really benefit from stable relationships with lots of different adults in their lives. Just yeah. think about how sad kids can get at the end of the school. I mean, they're happy about summer, but kids can yes. get really sad just when they say goodbye to their teachers. Yeah. And so if you're in this sort of environment where people are coming and going, where you're not having this sort of social network around you, uh, it's just not a normal experience for a child. Peter, you mentioned that obviously there's a, a, a difference in mindset from this administration and past administrations. But from the legal perspective, what had the law been specifically in dealing with these situations in prior administrations? There's been established policy and there's what's called a consent decree, a settlement agreement regarding unaccompanied minors. Typically, those have been kids who came here without a parent. Often they've been kids from Central America, from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, who made a very difficult journey through Mexico and arrived at the border, were immediately taken under the custody of the government, and then, according to the settlement agreements, within 20 days have to be sent to a relative already in this country. That's often a sibling, perhaps an uncle or a cousin. What the administration is trying to do is change that law so that they'll treat the kids who've come in with their families very differently. Uh, those kids, instead of having to be released within 20 days to a family member already here where they can enjoy some of the normal attributes of childhood that the doctor has mentioned, would be kept in detention as long as removal proceedings for their parents proceeded. 
uh, and that could be a period of, of weeks, months, or even over a year. In addition, the administration asked for permission to put kids not in state-licensed group homes or with relatives in the community, but instead in government family detention facilities, which might be Department of Defense facilities, might be converted Walmarts, as we've seen, sort of mass detention facilities, where it's very difficult to get the indicia of normal childhood that the doctor referenced. 844-942-7866. If you would like to join in with your comments or questions, joined on the phone by Peter Margulies of Roger Williams University in Rhode Island, here in studio with Dr. Catherine Yoon of the University of Pennsylvania. Again, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So then, uh, Peter, then th- this this change in policy that uh, the Trump administration is putting into effect, what impact do you think that has on this problem that we're we're talking about here today, dealing with that, that separation and the separation anxiety that many kids are feeling? The administration says that it has good reason for seeking the change, which would have to be approved by the court. The administration says that they need to deter uh, the the mass immigration of folks from Central America to the United States. And according to the administration's figures, that migration has ratcheted up. So to give you an idea, there are close to 60,000 people who tried to enter the country from Central America during this year already. That would amount to somewhere around 90,000 or more by the end of the year. That would be the largest number on record. So the administration says that means that the problem has become different, uh, larger in scale than it used to be. They then argue that detention of adults is necessary to deter those adults from making that difficult journey from Central America to the United States, uh, and that, uh, therefore, since they don't want to split up families, the only alternative is whole family detention. So that's really the nub of their argument. The response is that it hasn't been proven that detention is an effective deterrent. Unfortunately, the situation in Central America is dire. There's widespread crime, widespread poverty. Those are the two engines of migration to this country, and it's not clear to me that detention of families will solve that problem. Catherine? You know, I would only add that one of the standards we should always take when thinking about the well-being of children is what is in the best interest of the child. And there have been prior programs that have allowed families to remain in the community and still provided case management and supervision to ensure that they're going through an appropriate, you know, immigration court process. Um, And so if we're thinking about the best interest of the child, it's really hard for me to see uh, comparing a detention facility with being in a community setting. um, And to to even think a detention setting would be anything like what a child needs. What have been some of the, uh, almost the extremes that you have seen in dealing with some of these families and, and these children when they when they come here to Philadelphia, even you know several weeks or months after this whole process is played out. So you know, honestly, these cases can be heartbreaking. Um, we know families where even as children start to recover, they start to go to school, they start to rebuild some social relationships. They might, for example have nightmares going to sleep every night and wake up frequently. So you could be talking about an older toddler who's having the sleeping patterns of an infant. Um, And that can go on for months. 
Um, I know of families where a child stopped eating. Um, and, you know, you guys, anyone who's had a, a toddler knows that they might not want to eat what you're giving them, but they yeah. want to eat something. <laughs> right. right. Um, and so to have a child just completely refuse to eat or drink anything for, for a prolonged period of time. Grief is deeply felt in the body, I think, and trauma is, is sort of deeply felt um, by kids, even kids who can't express it in words. And Peter, part of this is also Let what... Let me echo just quickly yeah. what yeah. the doctor just said about um, alternatives to detention. Uh, so one thing that Congress is now exploring is requiring that folks wear ankle bracelets so we can trace them and make sure they appear for court. Uh, and that idea is at least worth considering. Uh, because it's a far less restrictive alternative than keeping people in detention. Uh, I do think it would be helpful for Congress to approach this issue in, in a serious and careful and non-punitive way that recognizes the interests of children and families. But then, but then, aren't you also putting the putting these kids basically in a similar situation, treating them like you would a, a criminal that has spent time in prison, but is you know out on house arrest or something along that uh, that pattern? You know that when they have to wear an ankle bracelet. I'm not sure the kids would have to wear ankle bracelets. Okay. I think their parents would have okay. to. You'd have the adult wear the bracelet okay. because the the adult and the kids will be together in the community. Catherine? You know, I think for parents and kids, at least being together is so important. Yeah. Um, and when we see kids who are in the community, we do see children who are taking time, and even the older children, even teenagers who are experiencing depression, who need to go to counseling, um, who sometimes do have crises when they for example, are exposed to something that triggers some of those memories. But I, we definitely see progress when children are in that family and community setting. What is your expectation then, then Peter, that we are going to see how we are going to see this play out as we move farther into this? Because this is obviously a, a very important topic that's being discussed each and every day. And seemingly, it almost feels like at times the kids are the ones that are that are kind of caught in between here. It really depends on uh, what happens in the courts. Uh, I have a feeling that the courts will fast track the government's request to modify the current settlement agreement. That means you may get a decision by the district court, the federal trial level court, in the next two to four weeks. You may get a decision by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the Intermediate Appellate Court, within, let's say, two to three months. And you could see this matter in front of the Supreme Court by early next term, so starting in first week of October of this year. That's the timetable the court has used for the travel ban case, which um, may be decided uh, very shortly, either today or next week. Uh, and I see that same timetable here. One thing I'd mention is the Supreme Court has tended to be rather deferential to the government. Right. And it's possible the Supreme Court, at least the majority of the court, would buy into the government's arguments that it's now a different situation because of the increase in migration from Central America. So that's something to watch for. The court will have to kind of balance that against the interests of children. If the courts do not rule in the favor of making these changes, then what are we looking at, Peter? Then we, we get back to either the family separation that we saw in the past few weeks, which is a horrendous thing to see, or the administration is going to have to go to uh, having people go to the community. 
so, you know, certainly I would prefer the community option. Dr. Yoon is absolutely right. That is the best option for, for parents and for kids. And I think, frankly, it only helps this country as well. My experience of dealing with kids from Central America is they're very hardworking, they're eager to learn, they're eager to become contributing members of the society. Uh, we've heard talk about MS-13 and criminal gangs from President Trump and others. I, although that's not a negligible factor, I think it's been wildly hyped. Uh, and the vast majority of folks from Central America will be great participants in our society. I really want to echo that because the families we care for, the families my colleagues care for, they're just everyday people. You know, right. they were community leaders at home. They might be farmers. They might be working um, even as psychologists, accountants. Um, but they've had to flee what I think we for us is unimaginable violence. I think really we are having difficulty wrapping our heads around what it is that causes a parent to flee with their child to make that difficult decision. Um, but they're, they're everyday people put in a really difficult situation. What? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Peter. No, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, and, and we can't lose sight of that. In fact, frankly, the United States helped contribute to the desperate situation in Central America because we deported people starting in the 80s and 90s who committed crimes in this country. Those folks then went back to Central America and started forming groups that uh, got involved in unlawful conduct. Uh, so there's this kind of vicious cycle that is still being enacted. And one thing we ought to do is try to break that cycle by developing more ways to improve societies in Central America. 844-942-7866 if you would like to join in with a comment or a question. Joined here in studio by Dr. Catherine Yoon of the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. Uh, Peter Margulies, who's a law professor at Roger Williams University in Rhode Island. I, I mean, with the numbers of kids, Catherine, that you've seen over the course of the last couple of years, uh, from there, the, the mental side of this is obviously one thing. From the physical medical side of it what are some of the the issues that they are dealing with in terms of you know uh, of the changes that they are having to to deal with coming here to the united states so for children who are coming here for example in an asylum seeking pathway i think there are the challenges are threefold one is some of those children have been grievously injured in in their home country. That might be yeah. why they fled. Um, we've taken care of children who are wheelchair-bound with uh, gunshot wounds, for example. Um, and so they obviously need help just in supporting their medical care and supporting them so they can be normal kids going to school um, once they're here. We also uh, take care of children who've, again, experienced really really difficult trauma uh, in transit. There's a lot of work that's been done, for example, on sexual assault and risk to young women yeah. um, in transit. Um, and some of those kids, you know, hopefully the physical issues will eventually heal, but uh, that's a very difficult pathway back to feeling um, like yourself again from a, an emotional standpoint. And, and then I guess we don't know maybe at this point how much of that is is coming with the child from their prior mm -hmm. country, but how much of that may actually be occurring while they're in some of these detention facilities as well. So unfortunately, there are substantiated reports of um, assaults within detention facilities, including within the family detention facility here in Pennsylvania, which is the Burks facility. Um, the instances that I know of have been uh, 
cases that have affected adults rather than children. Um, but it does tell you that that, that, is, that is not always the safe environment that you would you would want it to be. Great having you both it's with us today. It's very difficult oh. to keep uh, institutions safe. But yeah. Medical care is also very difficult, as Dr. Yoon indicated, and so we have to watch for uh, making sure that the medical yeah. care is provided to the kids. You don't have outbreaks of disease that will create more problems than uh, we need. Peter, thank you very much for your time today. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you so much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.